about the whereabouts eventually. Welcome to the February 28th, 2020 edition of the City of Sacramento Water Committee. Will the clerk please call roll and establish a quorum? Councilmember Guerra? Here. And Chair Harris? Here. Thank you. Well, I think, um, can I have a motion on consent? Move consent. All second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed abstentions, that passes. Discussion calendar is nomination and selection of the vice chair of the committee, and I would like to nominate my vice chair, Eric Guerra. I would duly accept. Thank you for the honor. Very good. Moved and second. Seconded. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed abstention. Congratulations, Mr. Vice Chair, and thank you for showing up. You're welcome. It's like Abbott and Costello. <laughs> no comment. All right. Uh, Item number three, Madam Clerk. Item number three is water rights and water supply regulatory process oral report. Good afternoon, West Miliband. Pleasure to be back here this afternoon with all of you for another reporting uh, about a lot of events, especially over the last six weeks or so. But I also understand we have a rather busy agenda, so I'll try to move relatively briefly through this to allow room for the rest of the items before your two o'clock meeting. But by all means, please feel free to ask questions or offer comments as you see fit. So as you know, I typically like to do is just spend a few brief moments about the city's water rights. Uh, they cannot be overemphasized, the importance of the value to them, and overall its broad portfolio and what it provides to the city and its customers. And of course, there are ongoing risks, uh, but really the two big items have to do still with the Bay Delta control plan update process and the voluntary agreements in particular, as well as uh, new news from last month, January 20th, I believe it was, California DWR released a, a notice of preparation under CEQA, which is really the start of the environmental process for what would be a single tunnel or what the project is defined as, as a Delta conveyance project. So in terms of the water rights and entitlements, the city has a very nicely diverse portfolio with pre-14 rights, as well as five permits that are issued uh, by the State Water Board, four of those on the American River, one on the Sacramento River, plus the 1957 operating agreement uh, that is a, a wonderful agreement for the city, very valuable, and has really helped ensure reliability of water supplies over the years and decades. The city also has groundwater wells uh, that it operates and seeks to enhance over the coming years, especially with Sigma and other groundwater issues and projects such, excuse me, such as conjunctive use. In terms of risks, uh, climate change is increasingly uh, a factor from the regulatory perspective. It's certainly part of the governor's uh, resiliency plan and wanting agencies to plan for that, both at the state and more local levels. And of course, uh, the other impact that creates uncertainties and unreliabilities is the regulatory processes, such as with the voluntary agreements, if that ends up defaulting back to the state water board, are we back to a pure unimpaired flow approach? Uh, which from the July 2018 framework would mean 45 to 65% of flows remaining in the river for fisheries and in Delta needs. So with that quickly about the control plan update process, under the, the laws and the rules, the, the process is supposed to protect all beneficial uses, which would include the city's municipal and industrial uses. 
And however, we often hear about the habitat, really fish, wildlife, and habitat uh, being the phrase within the regulations for enhancing those or at least preserving and not worsening conditions for listed species and other habitat needs in the Delta. So as you know, we've been working for the last several years through what remains to be called the voluntary agreement process. There's been several facilitators by the governor's predecessor as well as the current. And really the three main groups are still made up of the state team, the water users from around the state, as well as uh, the environmental groups. And Bureau of Reclamation, I'm gonna somewhat put an asterisk there for now because I'll get to something in a moment uh, to where things, things have really become contentious over the last week. And the short version of that is the state has sued the federal government under um, Endangered Species Act having to do with the federal government's biological opinions. So I'll touch more on that in a moment, but still back to big picture and the American River Voluntary Agreements. There are flow measures and non-flow measures. On this slide, it's identifying really the collective use by the American River users by doing reservoir reoperations on the upper part of the river, upstream of Folsom Reservoir. We are downstream, obviously, so we are a major player for the groundwater substitution transfers where our commitments would really be in place during the critical and dry years and up to six times over a 15 year term for a voluntary agreement. Non-flow measures, and this should be hopefully familiar, this, this is the same with having 50 acres of spawning habitat. Uh, the Water Forum just did a wonderful project at Sailor Bar that has, uh, from what I'm hearing, proven to be successful to assist with spawning. And then it's part of the non-flow measures, there would be 150 acres of rearing habitat Again, part of what is consistently done by the city of Sacramento and other agencies along the lower American River to increase the fisheries. And the key ingredients remain having really enough carryover storage plus cold water pools so that it helps the fisheries. And really that's where we have that win-win situation between water users and fishery needs. So here's really a, a key substantive point that is, is news, uh, the state as you might recall, back in December of 2018, through the State Water Board had adopted the phase one for the San Joaquin, and earlier that year had released uh, a framework for the phase two, which includes the Sacramento watershed and, and our interests directly. That has been essentially in a holding pattern for the voluntary agreements to go through what the State Water Board would call a crosswalk process to try to get the modeling to line up between flow, non-flow issues, <clears throat> And, and then really do a comparability analysis, analysis to see if the contributions being made, whether from our tributary and or others, is enough to meet what the State Water Board would believe to be the needs of the Delta. And that process has been ongoing uh, in very different iterations, uh, but the short version becomes just earlier this month, uh, we received what I would call a counter proposal because we had a proposal and now we're receiving something back but it's what the state's calling their voluntary agreement framework. And I wish I could get into more detail, but it's a confidential document that I'm just prohibited from being able to get into much detail here in a public forum. But suffice to say, from my view, I think for the most part, the American River interests and what our contributions would be remain largely intact. I think that's a very positive thing to, to where contributions, funding and flow wise might be sought from others by the state team. So we're in, in a way- In San Joaquin? Possibly the San Joaquin, very likely the San Joaquin, um, other tributaries within the Sacramento watershed. But for the American River and for what our contributions are, uh, 
from what I can tell, we're, we're in a somewhat of a status quo position, which I would characterize as a positive position for the city's interests Mr. Chair. and its role. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in just for those who, uh, thank you, Mr. Chair, uh, and for those who are watching um, and uh, from our neighborhoods who who are, are have an interest in live along the American River, what would you uh, characterize as our, our, that you can say, our principal um, interests on the American River? Uh, great question, Vice Chair. I would say our principal interest is to ensure water supply reliability in both in terms of supplies and quality. And uh, that really being the overarching goal with really the mechanism to do that being really two things. One would be with what we see here with the voluntary agreement to have more carryover storage in Folsom and have it so that Folsom's operated by reclamation using the, the cold water pool shutters and making releases at the right time into the river so that the spawning and rearing fish have the water they need in terms of quality and temperature as well as minimal flows instead of just pushing more flows but not being sensitive to the temperatures. And those are local control releases where we would have that authority? We do not have the direct not authority, us, no. But, you know, but the, not dictated by us. But a direct influence. And so that segues into the other part that I was going to provide, which is uh, the federal government, by way of reclamation, uh, NIMPS, and other agencies have been putting together their biological opinions, with the last opinion being from the 2008-2009 period and now what is now effective as of this month of 2020 is the new biological opinion in that opinion, which is a very public document, and that's what the state is challenging now in federal court. Uh, there is a carryover provision for 275,000 acre feet. There's modeling to support that. So that's a very positive thing for city of Sacramento interest, its residents and businesses, as well as others along the American River. Very good. I do want to go back to that slide briefly, forgive me. So the last point I think remains a, a critical thing consistent with what our philosophy has been from my understanding working with and for the city as well as city attorney's office and department of utilities is we absolutely will protect and advance the city's interest, but the manner in which we do it is trying to be constructive and collaborative and, and really engage with our state and federal partners as well as our more local and regional partners. And that's an important point as we look uh, to what I'll get to in just a moment is that lawsuit between the state and federal governments. But first, the other big topic being DWR's Delta Conveyance Project and the NOP that was released. This is all consistent with the governor's actions over the last year. Uh, I think his first state of the state, he was very clear that he would like a single tunnel project. So the state agencies have formed to a point to where they're now looking to do it. Uh, there is some encouraging news when you look at, I think, what is a 12-page document, the notice of preparation. It does have uh, language in there saying, essentially, this is my interpretation, but that they have learned from the water fix process. This is a different project. Uh, there was a lot of challenges in the water fix process, including from this region, about the lack of operations and plans and criteria, so that it made it hard for water users, such as ourselves and others, to know whether that project would operate to the impairment of City of Sacramento interests. Here, they're starting very early on in the process to say, we will get to the criteria, we plan to do that. Now, it will probably come later in the environmental process with the environmental impact report, but they're at least planting the flag, and that's good. The project itself is smaller than what the twin tunnels would have been. This would be, they have ranges that they'll be developing, no doubt, alternatives on, and that's where they have two intakes with a project that might operate between 3,500 to 7,000 CFS, which uh, could be a third or half the size of what Waterfix would have been. 
Comment period ends on March 20th, and at the strong inclination and, and recommendations from your Department of Utilities, leadership and staff, city attorney's office, myself, uh, the comment letter is appropriate, but again, in that collaborative way, encouraging that there's going to be an operations criteria, but we need to protect the supply reliability as well as the quality of the water. So I take it you're preparing comments to submit? Yes, sir. Yes. Yes, so we're, we're going to start, we've already started preparations, but we will have that timely submitted by March 20th. So as far as big talk, topics and next steps, that was certainly one of them. And going back to what I've referenced a couple of times with the, the lawsuit, as, as you all might know, uh, it, it's been increasingly contentious between the state and the federal governments on a number of environmental issues, certainly California being one of them. Uh, California water, that is, and then the biological opinions themselves that the federal government had developed. The state's lawsuit says a whole lot of things, but essentially is saying that uh, it wasn't done correctly. The biological opinions, there's not enough protection for endangered and listed species. And so that's uh, a challenge that's now underway. There's an administrative process where the state has to wait 60 days before they can really formally do more under the ESA but it's active litigation between these two uh, partners of ours, which kind of makes it a little precarious because you, you wanna be able to work together and, and remain those collaborative relationships. But so far we're doing that. And what's really completely unknown is what does this mean for the voluntary agreements? Uh, as, as of now, meetings are postponed and I think we're more or less in a wait and see approach. So with that, I'll pause and welcome any questions or comments. Do we have any public speakers? Okay, very good. Any questions? I have a couple. So, you know, the state-federal lawsuit in kind of a perverse way could actually bolster the interests of the city of Sacramento, it seems to me, in terms of maybe requiring less unimpaired flows, perhaps more water security for the city. Does that make any sense? It does, Chair, um, and it depends. You know, with I'm really cautious about not wanting to weigh in on the merits, one, because uh, I'm not as familiar with their complaint, not having really, we're not a party to it. And then also just not wanting to, you know, pick and choose a side in something where we're not directly in it. But the outcome, absolutely, one way or another could either favorably or unfavorably impact our interests. Now, on a favorable side, as I mentioned, the fact that, you know, the carryover provision is in the biological opinion, their supportive modeling for it really advances what we had always been really aiming for, which was the modified flow management standard. Got it. Um, any idea of the duration of this lawsuit and how long it might stall the voluntary settlement? I really, as I always uh, kid, but seriously with uh, DOU staff and Mr. Voss is anytime I try to guess at a timeline having to do with the voluntary agreements, I am wrong. Um, I just- you, you and everybody else. Okay, <laughs> I'm glad I'm not alone, thank you. So I, I don't know how long it's gonna stall it. I do think they interrelate uh, the lawsuit itself it, if some kind of resolution can't be worked out between uh, what the state wants to be modifications to those biological opinions so that their incidental take permit under the ESA statutes doesn't have to encroach, that's really probably their battleground area they need to resolve. And short of a resolution, it will wind its way through the, the federal court. And that could be a couple of years, it could be more, and there could still be appeals. So the voluntary agreement process, I think one way will get underway again much sooner than that. If for no other reason, uh, that seems to be the governor's preference. And number two, the state water board, 
I think can only remain patient for so long to allow it to try to work. Well, pretty interesting knot to untie, I must say. Thanks for your presentation. Uh, may I request that you please send me the slide deck via email? Yes, I'd be happy to. Very thank helpful. You. All right, thanks for the presentation. You're welcome. Have a good day. So uh, our clerk has told me that the next four items will be taken at the same time, and Mr. Brett Ewart is going to present to us. Brett, come on up. I like this bulk wholesale approach. <laughs> yeah, I wish we could do it at council, right? <laughs> Good afternoon, Chair and Vice Chair of the Water Committee. Uh, Brett Ewart, uh, Senior Engineer with the uh, Department of Utilities here. Let's pause for one moment while we pull these up. Thank you. So yes, as the, as the clerk mentioned, um, there's a, a theme to the next four items. All of them are related to uh, implementing actions for previous policy discussions we've had surrounding our, our groundwater policy or, or our investment in groundwater resources. So. Um, each of these has uh, a similar recommendation for, for this committee, which is both to receive and, and you know, receive and file this presentation, but also to give us input or, or direction on sending all four of these items to the full city council for consideration. Uh, staff is at a point where we think the items are mature enough that city council is ready to hear them, uh, subject to your direction to us or, or feedback. So you've, you've seen this slide before. Um, Several water committee uh, meetings before we gave a full presentation on the city's ideas around our conjunctive use and the need to reinvest in our groundwater supply. Um, in separate committee meetings, we've also talked about our, our surface water. Uh, today is focused on, on groundwater completely and some implementing actions for that. Um, we're going to talk about some uh, regional agreements. Um, this ties in with the previous meeting where Rob Swartz with the Regional Water Authority gave you a presentation on the water bank. So uh, the, the structure today is we're gonna start regionally and then dial in on what the sort of city specific needs are. Uh, the first item uh, before you of the four is, is the uh, funding for the Sacramento Central Groundwater Authority. So the city is a, is a member of two groundwater sustainability agencies uh, north of the American River. That would be the Sacramento Groundwater Authority. Chair Harris, I believe you're a board member of the Sacramento Groundwater Authority. Um, and then there's the Sacramento Central Groundwater Authority. Both of them are joint powers authorities. Uh, the city is a signatory to both of them. Uh, respectively, the, what we think of as the sustainable yield for the Sacramento Groundwater Authority is about 130,000 acre feet. South of that's a bit larger, uh, 273. Uh, the area you see on your map, I'm just gonna focus on Sac Central at this point in time, shows the, the current agency boundaries. Uh, just as a note, though unrelated to the item today, there is, as, as these agencies uh, do their work on, on groundwater sustainability and preparing uh, what the state is requiring, uh, groundwater sustainability plans, there is some interest along the Kusumnis River uh, for uh, other agencies to act as their own groundwater sustainability agencies. So this map could change, I guess, is the short part of the story here. Um, although, again, unrelated to the item today, just wanted you to be briefed on that. So the big change for both of these agencies in this whole region was, was a state law passed in 2014, uh, SIGMA, or the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act. Uh, the two big pieces uh, for that is one, you needed to form statewide groundwater sustainability agencies, 
with the mandate to, to manage its groundwater in a reasonable and sustainable fashion now and, and into the future. All of these, uh, or most of these agencies, were required to submit groundwater sustainability plans by 2022. I pause on that because some of the most critically overdrafted areas were required to submit them this year, although that is not what SGA and SCGA need to do. So this is a bit of a cost driver. Uh, the estimated cost of each of these plans is close to $2 million. Uh, the state is supplying some grant funding for this, uh, approximately a 50% cost share. So in previous years, Sacramento Groundwater Authority augmented their budgets to get started earlier. SCGA paused because it felt that there was an alternative approach. Ultimately, that was not successful, though. So now the budgets are being augmented or amended to produce this groundwater sustainability plan. So right now, we're, we believe the next fiscal year budget for SCGA will be close to a million. And right now, the city share using a similar methodology from the past is estimated about $215,000 yet to be finalized. So in the past, uh, city council authorized the expenditures of a not to exceed of 150,000. We are recommending that that be amended to provide the city manager up to 250,000 to support that groundwater sustainability work. I'll pause for just a second, because I'm moving on to the next item. Any questions on SCG? Uh, none from myself, Vice Chair. Nope. Carry on. The next two items are all cost-sharing agreements with the Regional Water Authority. Uh, the first one is getting started on the water bank, which was the presentation you received at the last water committee meeting from Rob Swartz. And then as a, a smaller project to augment that, is a cost-sharing agreement on studying aquifer storage and recovery. So this is just to, to, to bring us back, this is just a slide deck that you received from Rob Swartz, just to remind you of his conversation. Um, he spoke at some length about our, 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 our interests as a region to invest in our, in our groundwater basin and storing and, and the taking of that water in a long-term fashion for water security. Uh, this is another slide that Rob had provided you some recognition of our changing snowpack, uh, changing runoff, and how we will need to rely on our groundwater basin more so in the future. The second piece is aquifer storage and recovery. Mm -hmm. I think we've spoken a little bit about this in the past, just as a reminder. Uh, normally, most of our wells are simply extraction wells. Aquifer storage and recovery would be designing these wells to force or inject water into the basin for use at some future time. So what do these two tossering agreements do? Uh, the first one is the first, the first phase of the water bank. And this is really just getting started, pre-feasibility. Uh, it's gonna fund some committee meetings, produce some outreach materials, but most importantly, it's gonna produce the, the, the modeling, the technical support for the CEQA coverage or the NEPA coverage as needed to gain federal recommendation, or recognition. That first phase is about 500,000, and the city's not to exceed cost share would be $72,000. The second one is the aquifer storage and recovery. The city has studied this at a high level within our own administrative boundaries. There are some limitations, we believe, to doing aquifer storage and recovery within the city. Uh, namely, it relates to high groundwater levels or maybe moving plumes around or our own concerns about arsenic. That said, groundwater is a regional resource. So we know aquifer storage and recovery is possible 
But the question is, where is the best place to do this in the region? What are the costs? What are the considerations for uh, injecting that water into the ground and maybe striping or stripping arsenic, you know, naturally occurring arsenic out of the, out of the aquifer? So we want to look at that. That whole study is about $60,000. The Regional Water Authority has selected a consultant for that. And the city's not to exceed share would be 10500 And I'll pause again. Well, I, I think we can move along because those are both good investments. Okay. <laughs> I concur. Uh, the next would actually be a contract. Now we're boiling down just to city-specific uh, uh, studies or agreements with uh, consultants. So previously, we briefed this, this group on our groundwater master plan that we completed in 2017. High level, it recommended, city, if you want to be in the groundwater business, you need to start reinvesting in your groundwater supplies. Our groundwater wells are they're old, on average about 50 years old. I think the oldest is maybe 75 years. So that technical work was done as part of that groundwater master plan. However, before we can get started on implementing it, the next step would be CEQA. And so this would be a contract to perform an initial study in compliance with California, or with, with CEQA, $175,000. So, so Brett, let me ask you a question. I mean, is it typical to do an initial study rather than launch right into CEQA? And, and isn't most of the work in the initial study going to be the bulk of the work in a CEQA document? It is. Um, we believe, so, so first, you know, again, it's a, the groundwater is, is a regional resource, so we want to be very careful of our neighbors. The groundwater master plan has some visions for holding at a similar sustainable yield that the city already has, but having a more flexible program. That means during dry years, we might actually expand our use, and in wet years, we might shrink our use quite a bit. So rather than launch straight into a, a full EIR, uh, in consult with the folks who prepared the groundwater master plan, there's, there's certainly a possibility that, that a mitigated neg deck might be the more appropriate environmental document. So that would, per, that would present some cost savings for, for the ratepayers. But again, the initial study would be the supporting work. If we did do a mitigated neg deck, you know, it has to be backed up with a lot of data. That's true, and I believe most of that data has been completed as, as part of the actual groundwater master plan. There was some modeling in that master plan showing what groundwater levels might do. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I think this next layer is also going to look at maybe some of the noise impacts or, or any local impacts for each one of these wells. We're looking at it cumulatively uh, rather than well by well. Okay. Mr. Chair, just to follow up yeah. on that. So, is the, so what you're saying is then that the initial study will help you determine whether a neg deck is preferred versus an EIR. Is that that's that's correct. Uh, the initial study, uh, the estimated cost is about 175,000. Uh, that's a, a lower cost than what a full EIR would be, and the hope or the thought is that perhaps that level of detail is sufficient to determine that a mitigated neg deck might be more okay. appropriate. Thank you very much. Uh, lastly is our groundwater master plan. We're looking at a supplemental agreement uh, for that, uh, that ongoing plan. Uh, this is a document we do every five years. This is sort of our overall roadmap for the water system. Uh, generally what we do is we're looking at water demands today, water demands in the future, and then what infrastructure might be needed in order to, to realize the, you know, the, the water supply for those demands. Excuse me. So 
that plan is, is underway. Uh, West Jealous Associates is performing that for the city. They've performed previous master plans and, and do a fine job. Um, the supplemental at this point in time is there's a few minor increases to the scope on evaluating demands, demand projections. Excuse me. But most significantly, we're, we're asking them to do something additional for, uh, to look at how we might use groundwater within the city. We're looking for them to evaluate the impacts of taking groundwater from others as opposed to simply relying on our own infrastructure. So what you have before you is, is a map of the city, and then also some surrounding uh, groundwater agencies. Uh, there's Sac Suburban, Sacramento County Water Agency, Calam, um, and some other smaller agencies uh, within what we call the American River Place of Use. Hard to make out on that, but basically the green boundary around the perimeter, and then cutting through Calam in the southern aspect is what we call our American River Place of Use, where we can send surface water. Uh, there are a couple of, I think I'll pull them up there, a couple of these inner ties. These are locations where we can move water into those agencies, but we can also receive water from those agencies. It can go both ways. And so item number one there where I talk about enhancing our own supply, that goes back to the previous conversation about our groundwater master plan and doing our initial study to reinvest in our own infrastructure. There's another way to do this if strategically as a reason, region we want to invest in groundwater, and that's during drought or emergencies or maybe <clears throat> water transfers to receive that water from other agencies. Now, these, these agencies are fully regulated by DDW. They meet all Title 22 standards. But in the past, these have been sort of spot markets, if you will. We'll take that water for short periods of time. If we're looking at doing this for a longer period of time or, or greater duration, we believe it's prudent to, to look very carefully at this groundwater, how it interacts with our own water supply from, from a chemistry perspective, or how it might also interact with our infrastructure, the walls of the pipes. We believe it's, it's prudent planning to make sure that when that water comes into the city, that it continues to meet all of our needs. Uh, so this supplemental is 177,000. There are a couple of other uh, potential near-term actions we might be asking of city council. Um, whether it comes between now and the next water committee meeting, I wanted to get it on your radar. Uh, we're now at a time where we need to begin working on our next urban water management plan. That's a, another five-year document required by state law. We're considering the appropriateness of asking the master plan, where we talk about you know, updating our water demands and and our plans moving forward. Um, we're considering the appropriateness of asking that same consultant to do that, gain some efficiency. If they're already doing the work on water demands now, you can pre-populate that urban water management plan and, and gain some efficiency. Uh, the next, um, and, and this is on the sort of near-term horizon, um, we're finishing work at our Fairbairn water treatment plant on the filter replacement. Now we need to test that, test that facility. The only way we can test that facility is if we create enough demand for water to stress the facility to put it to it, you know, put it through its paces. We did this in the past at Sac River when we finished that project. And one of the ways that we incentivize this is to reduce the cost of wholesale water and incentivize those agencies who can take that water to take it to their to the full rate that they can. 
what we did in the past is we essentially priced the water at cost recovery, and that was a successful program. So we think this would be a technique where we could do that again with our Fairburn water treatment plant. We think that testing is probably gonna occur somewhere between May and June. It could bleed over into the summer. That's where water demands are the highest and it's easier to, to test the facility at a higher rate of production. I mentioned May and June because we're also talking about the potential for a water transfer. I don't have any more detailed information than what you see right now. We know it's been dry. You know, I, I threw a, a little blurb from the National Weather Service on there as of, I think a couple days ago, Death Valley has 18 inches of, or 0.18 uh, inches of precip, and the city is sitting at zero. That's, that's in February. That's, yeah, that's just from a couple days ago this, this February. Yeah. So it's been dry. Um, I, and, and people are talking about the market for water. It appears, if things remain the way they are, that there could be a market. We participated in that transfer in 2018. I think most folks believe that was a pretty successful enterprise. The city brought in about $2 million in re revenue that it then reinvested back into its groundwater program. So we want to do brief now. Um, you know, we're, we're engaging in any meetings that might be coming up to ascertain whether it's in the city's best interest. That concludes. Questions last week? I think the only comment I would say is if we do end up in the market, and because it has been so dry that we uh, get ahead of the curve and maybe work with our city PIO to have better education with the public. Uh, particularly, um, you know, I think it's a misconception for folks to think that we're selling off our water. I think it has nothing to do with that, but, um, but it is a complicated issue, and there's a benefit to the city, as you mentioned in our last experience, where it was a or it was a, a, a positive. Um, so that's the only recommendations that we work to be, find a better way to explain that to the general public. Thank you, Vice Chair. Uh, certainly, to, you're absolutely correct. Um, we're not selling the water, we're, we're switching supplies. We're relying on our groundwater instead of our surface water uh, with no net change to our own retail customers. But you're, you're absolutely right, it's, it's complicated and nuanced and, and deserves better, better messaging. I think the vice chair is correct. You know, as we set up for what may be drought conditions moving forward, hard to prognosticate, we could have a very wet March. There's no real way to know. But people do get edgy when they kind of smell it in the air that things are drier than normal. And it is hard for them to understand why a water transfer under those conditions could be beneficial. They can be, but of course, we have to look ahead and uh, you look at preserving our own water security if we get multiple years of dry. And that is, that's, a, that's a hard sell, actually. It is, you, you just received a presentation on our water rights. You know, our, our surface water rights are, are um, we don't feel imperiled at this, to this day. It's something that we plan on relying on throughout the summer. Um, and, I, and I believe we're well situated to meet all of the needs of the, the residents of the city. Yeah. Very good. All right, Brett, thanks so much for the information. And um, again, we love all your efforts to work on groundwater bank conjunctive use. It's all very important for us to manage our water supply moving forward. Thank, thank you, Chair. I, I, I think there was an action, though, today. I know there's been yeah. some interest in, in memorializing the actions. And I believe we've been asking, you know, this water committee, are we on the right track? Uh, I think the motion out there is, is to direct staff to send these to the full uh, consideration to city council. 
That's correct. Uh, that is what the staff recommendation is, and I will move that, Mr. Chair. I thought you might. Yeah. I'll <laughs> second. So, uh, all those in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Abstentions? So we will move that to council. And you know, I really do appreciate this first hearing, because you're not going to get this kind of opportunity at council. You know, these kind of things end up on the consent calendar and they go by in a flash, but this is very important information. And I think it's really worthwhile to push it out to the public via this meeting. So thanks very much for your efforts. Thank you, Chair. And Chair yes, Harris, may I reiterate, that was item four, five, six, and seven. That was the motion from Councilman and yes. second by Harris. All four items. Correct, thank you. Correct. Very good. Thank you. Well, that concludes our business for today. Any comments? Uh, the only thing is that uh, we have uh, we have had a dry month, and uh, I think maybe we get a wet month in March. I hope that that's the case, but uh, it might be an opportune time to start re-educating folks about uh, how what our water regulations are, how we can maintain the the health of our trees, and encourage any new trees that were planted over the fall to grow deeper root structures through using the appropriate watering. So I think. Now that we're getting into the warmer uh, times that we, we gear up on that education part. Uh, Bill, let me ask you, since we have a couple of minutes, where are we at with the smart meter program at this point? You know, how much adoption are we getting? Because if we do get into dry conditions, of course, we want people to conserve as much as possible, and that's a great device to do it. So the smart, uh, thank you, uh, Chair. Uh, Bill Busey, Director of the Department of Utilities. The smart meter program continues to be a great partnership between us and SMUD. Uh, it's, it, the, we are handling those rebates through their website and ours also. Um, to date, the demand has uh, equaled and even exceeded the amount of money that we have for, nice. for rebates. Great. Um, as a matter of fact, we, as part of the budget process, we're asking for uh, making one of our limited term uh, conservation reps or specialists permanent uh, due to that program and, and, and one other program, which is our leak-free Sacramento program, which is targeted at our uh, disadvantaged communities and helping them to uh, make uh, improvements to their plumbing uh, that will help them conserve uh, water. So that's been a very successful program. We continue to budget it at uh, a high level, and so uh, we are looking at uh, about 1,500, you know, of those a year, those smart controllers, um, and so over a period of time, that's going to greatly uh, enhance our ability to manage our water as a as a city. Thank you, Bill. That's really great news. Uh, those those two programs, Mr. Chair, have been fantastic for the constituents in District Six, particularly those in. Uh, some of the older uh, communities that had uh, some the uh, the old uh, galvanized piping right and uh, it, their meters are in and they're they're conserving water but they're still paying some and they found out they had some leaks and so the fact that we targeted the homeowners that are with the least means i think was very helpful so yeah, it was a program that. that started with a grant it was very successful and we continue to fund that um, uh, on an ongoing basis yeah leak detection is fantastic Vice Chair, do you have a smart controller yet? I do, I do, and actually my neighbor came over and uh, noticed that I had my old one still in the garage uh, and, and told me about this wonderful program that the city and SMUD have, and I said, I've got the new one, but it's in the back of the house now. Nice, they work great. <laughs> they work great. 
All right, thank you, everybody. The meeting is adjourned. Yeah, those things are super smart. I can go through my phone. It's awesome.